it is so good to see you this morning. And aren't you glad to be here this morning? And I have to tell you, you need to enjoy this morning because you've got to wait 11 more years before Christmas falls on a Sunday again. So I, even that's kind of a mind-blowing thought, isn't it? I mean, think of what this room will look like in 11 years. It'll probably be time for a new decor change again. No, but those that are very small will be growing up. And those, there will be some in this room that will no longer be with us in this room. And there will be new ones that are not even here yet that will be in this room. But we have today, right? We have today and God has brought us in this place today. And there is no other place I would rather be than here. And we also know that we have people online that are viewing with us this morning that are in their homes or out of state and celebrating with family. We just want to welcome you as well to this place. Let's pray together. Lord Jesus, we come before you and as we um, celebrate you, Lord, I pray our hearts would be filled to a capacity that we did not even know was possible for you are so good. And on this morning, we celebrate all your gifts. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. So thankful that this morning is here. We've been waiting and some kids have been waiting a really, really long time, like 364 days for this day to come, but it has finally come. But we have waited as well as we've been celebrating Advent. And every time we're inside of Christmas, I tell you, I think of one earthly person, and that is my grandmother, who is actually no longer with us anymore, but she loved Christmas. And we were a perfect match. I was the oldest grandchild and my grandmother loved to give and I loved to receive. So we, we were like this peanut butter and jelly. All right. It, it, it just worked. But I tell you, um, she did. She loved Christmas and she loved to give. And the older I got though, the more I found myself changing because the older I got, my love for receiving started, it never went away. But it started to diminish because my love for seeing my grandmother give increased. I found myself watching her as others opened presents more than the present that was being opened. Because she just came to life. And if I had to say a phrase about my my grandmother, it would be that she lived to give. She lived to give. And, and no doubt that there are people in this place that actually fill this place, that yesterday or today or this week or even next week, whenever your family is gathering together, you've been waiting to be able to give that perfect gift that you have been waiting for them to open. Um, that is not a personality or a character trait that's unique among us. That's not, some people love to give and some people don't, all right? We have been created in God's image, right? We have been created in his image. And our love to give does not come because that's our personality. A love to give comes from whom we have come from. And God is the giver. That is what he is. From the beginning of our known creation to the the ends of eternity, he is giving We're in this place today because he has given good and perfect gifts. In fact, that's a verse that I want us to look at at the very beginning of this day. It's like the theme verse of the day. And it comes from this very simple but powerful belief statement. And that is this, that God is the giver. Will you just say this verse with me? Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above. 
coming down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no or change. Isn't it an amazing thing that his gifts never change because he never changed? And he can only give good and perfect things. So today we're going to have a little bit of a different kind of service because today is a very special and um, different kind of a day. And many of you have been holding on to that little box that looks a lot like that for a long time. So now is the time that you finally get to open it. But before you open it, I had to do that. No, but before you open it, um, especially if you, families, there are multiple things inside of that thing. So if you have multiple kids, instead of Christmas morning worship service becoming a fight among us, if you will just take turns and they can take turns opening the next gift inside of it, all right? So you can go ahead and open that gift. And just so that we're not all left out, we have our own version that's in the room as well. Because what we wanna do is we wanna walk through the gifts that God has given. Because from the very beginning of time, God has been giving us gifts. He is the gift giver in that. And I want you to get out, if you have that little, um, that little box, I want you to get out the green bag. Get only out the green bag because it represents the first gift that we have this morning. For those that don't have and for those that are, um, their eyesight is like mine, I have a bigger version, all right? Inside of your gift, you have, you have a, a little tube and inside that tube is the same kind of sand. I'm going to do something that if all of our kids don't need to do. Do not follow my example, all right? But this just represents the dust. And the first gift that we want to talk about that God gave us is his breath of life. The verse says this, Then the Lord God formed the man of dust from the ground and breathed into his nostrils in the breath of life, and the man became a living creature. Is it not an amazing thing that God created all things of creation and his last creation was taking something he had already created and forming and creating Adam. But even in that moment, that gift was not alive because that gift was not alive until God's breath was breathed into him. The only part of creation that it says that God breathed into. And that is why when Adam was formed and created, that God said, it is very good. Our breath today is a gift from God, right? And so from Adam, God then took a rib and he created Eve. And he told them one thing, he said, all of creation is yours. This is your dominion. Enjoy my creation, my gift to you. Enjoy. I have created this for you to enjoy, that we can enjoy each other in perfect, innocent relationship. Except for one thing, don't eat of that tree in the middle of the knowledge of good and evil. Satan entered the scene. Satan tempts Adam and Eve, say yes to sin and no to God, and that created a problem for us, right? It created a problem because all of a sudden sin entered their heart. And because sin entered their heart, God did not say, you know what, I'm going to do a 2.0 version of this. I'm going to erase it and we're going to start over again. He didn't do that. His breath of life, we bore his very image. For him to have done that, he would have killed himself among us. 
But instead, he set out to redeem, right? He set out to redeem. But there was a problem because we didn't know that we needed redemption. We didn't know that we needed a savior. So he gave us a gift. Sometimes, and you can get out that next gift, and I will tell you what color that is. I think it's the dark blue. Take out that dark blue. And the dark blue has a very small version of this same thing. And he gave us a gift that's a reminder that sometimes God gives us gifts that we would never have asked for and we really didn't want, but we needed. And God gave us his law. And because God is good and he is perfect, his law is good and perfect. We could not say we needed a savior until he gave us an understanding of our own sin. That was a good gift. And the the verse says, for all have sinned and fallen short of God's glory. We would not be able to say that if he had not given us his good gift of the law. Because the other verse says this, that the law was not simply to tell us that we had sinned, that good gift. It also was a good gift to be a tutor. And it says, therefore, the law has become our tutor. Why? To lead us to Christ so that we may be justified by faith. It is a beautiful picture of what God has given. He created us, we fell. He started redemption's plan and he gave us a tutor that we would understand how much we needed Christ. But he didn't just leave us in our sin, right? He didn't just leave us there. And so I need you to get out the light blue bag The light blue bag is a really powerful bag because inside of it, you have a trumpet, a little ornament of a trumpet. I have something a little bit bigger, right? I have something a little bit bigger. And this represents just a really incredible thing. Do you know what animal that this is from? It's a ram. Can you imagine having this on your head for the rest of your life? All right, that would be quite the amazing feat. But this represents something really powerful. Do you remember the story that's really particular to this ram's horn with Abraham and Isaac? Remember Abraham um, went up and God had said, I need you to offer your son to me, Isaac. And they go up and Abraham as a father would be, had to be in great torment, but he followed the Lord in obedience, right? And all the way up to that mountain, placing Isaac on that altar. And then all of a sudden the Lord said, I have provided a substitute for your son. And it's a ram. Take that ram. And would you sacrifice that ram to me? That would be a gift to me. I want the ram. And in the same way, this ram's horn represents the voice of God to us. And so, yes, he created us with his voice and he declared it was good. And with his own voice, he gave us the law so that we could understand something about ourselves that we wouldn't know otherwise. But he didn't leave us to drown in the knowledge of our sin. For generation after generation, he sent prophet after prophet saying, salvation's coming The Messiah is coming. And just as this ram horn in in Israel is used for various things, for celebration, for calling, for special gathering, is also used as a battle cry before going into battle. God has never left us in eternal silence. But instead, 
he has spoken and he speaks. And can you imagine being the generations of Adam that was before Christ? The knowledge of a law that was so perfect and holy. Holy people don't need a law, right? Sinful people need a law so they can learn that they have sinned. And that's exactly what Jesus did and what he spoke and what God gave inside of those commandments. But inside of the knowledge of that, he gave hope. It was a constant hope to his people. And you can hear them singing and hear them crying. Oh, come God with us. Oh, come. We need your rescue. Captive in.
be seated. You know, throughout this month, we have been gathered around the Advent wreath. And God's promises are always true. God's voice is consistently true. That's why Jesus could say, I am the way and I am the truth and I am the light. And as the verse said long, long ago, the way God talked and spoke was through his prophets until the coming of Christ. And when Christ came, it was his voice. And today it is his voice. So as the people cried, oh, come, oh, come, hope, hope came. Oh, come, oh, come, peace, peace came. Oh, come, oh, come, joy, joy came. Oh, come, oh, come, love, love came. And what they were really crying is, oh, come, oh, come, Messiah, come save your people. In Jesus, the Messiah that was promised. Jesus came and he was born. He was unlike Adam. Adam was created. Jesus wasn't created for he has always been, right? He's always been the son of God. In fact, it was Jesus who spoke creation into being. It was his word and so I love this thought that are not in my notes right now, but it's in my heart, so it's coming out of my mouth, is that is that the one who created did not delegate redemption to someone else. The one who created came to his creation and became part of his creation without losing one ounce of his godness. And he came to creation to save you and me. He came to do something that no one else could do. So he came and he saved. He did not come to condemn us in the law. What was the word? He came to fulfill the law. For if he could not fulfill the law, we would not be saved. He, the perfect son of God and son of man, came, was born, lived a perfect life so that my sin, my imperfectness could be paid for. And he also came not to simply be with us, but to be in us. A voice that's not outside of us, but a voice that resonates within us. That when he says the sheep know my voice, it's true. That in us, he can speak and quiet the storms of our lives. When he says, cast out all of your anxieties upon me, he identifies those anxieties and says, I want that. Give me that. So the precious gift that God gave was God gave his only son to us. Let's read it again. John three sixteen and 17. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. And verse 17 says this, for God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. 
But when he came, he didn't come to live forever and set up an earthly kingdom, did he? He actually came to die. That was his purpose in coming, to live perfectly and to die. And that leads us to our fifth gift that Jesus gave us, is that Jesus gave us his very life. Galatians 1.4 says, Jesus Christ who gave himself for our sins to deliver us from the present evil age. And on that cross, he gave us the gift of salvation. On that cross, he gave us something we could not achieve on our own and that would be a payment for our own sins. He forgave us of that sin. And on that cross, his death became our opportunity to live. And on that cross, Christ overcame all of death's curse and all of sin's power for you and for me. And his life ended on that day. Our deliverer, you are Savior in your presence. We find our strength over everything, our redemption, God, with us, you are God, with us. Because of Christ's death, burial, and resurrection, death was swallowed up in victory. And it allows us to cry out these words. Oh, death, where is your victory? Oh, death, where is your sting? The life of Christ forever lives in resurrection power. Let's stand and declare the glory of the Lord. For you've come to bring peace, to be love, to be
you remain standing, would you just go before the Lord? Does your heart need to say thank you to him? Does your heart need to express just gratitude upon gratitude for his coming and doing what we can never do for ourselves and that is to die for sin in a way that would be acceptable unto the Lord. Fill this room with praise. Fill this room with thanksgiving, adoration. Let your words be said unto the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Oh Lord, we, we're here on this day and we just say thank you. Thank you for loving your creation enough not to delegate that for someone else to accomplish, but you yourself loved so much that you came and did the complete, perfect work of salvation. We say thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. And just when you think God's gifts could not get better, they just keep getting better. For you see, at the very epicenter of God being a giver is Jesus, right? Everything is leading to his coming, and from his coming, everything will lead as well away from it. And it is the epicenter, Christ, Jesus, is the centerpiece. It's the centerpiece of the gifts of the good and the perfect gifts that were given. And just like the law was given so that we could learn who we were not created to be, so too is the sixth gift. We have two gifts left. The sixth gift, if you'll take the white bag out. And inside of your white bag, you'll find a feather knot this size, a little smaller than this. But this represents the giving of the Holy Spirit. Sadly, many of us think that we've got to figure all this Christian thing out on our own. I have great news for you. Just like we did not know that we were a sinner until he told us, so too we don't know what Christ's life is all about until the Holy Spirit that's been given that lives in us. God didn't just simply come to be with us. He came, Jesus came to live in us. And it is his Holy Spirit that lives in us. And his Holy Spirit within us is giving us daily gifts. He is giving us the gift of understanding God's word when we when we read it, that we're not left to our own selves to try to figure out what the book of Leviticus is really trying to tell us. The Holy Spirit is our helper. He is our teacher. He is our guide. He is our convictor of sin. So not for shame and not for condemnation, but for righteousness and holiness, right? He is a true gift to our lives that never leaves us, is always with us and we say thank you Lord the disciples didn't understand that right when Jesus was trying to explain what was going to happen he finally had to tell them hey guys I have to leave because if I don't leave the helper cannot come 
So I must leave. And it will be with the helper that you will see so many greater things than you've even seen with me here. I will go and I will prepare a place for you. I will go and I will sit at the right hand of the Father. I will be the one who is interceding for you by name because I know your name. Because you are my son and you are my daughter. And all of this is true and becomes our reality when we don't do what Adam and Eve did. When we don't say yes to sin and no to God, but instead we say yes to Jesus. And we say we realize we cannot save ourselves. The law is doing its good work in me and saying, you can't save yourself. And the goodness of the, the, the law is that what it does is it exposes everything that is good and holy about God. And at the very same time, it exposes everything that is evil and not good within me. And then we look to Jesus, who was perfect in every way. And he looks at us in our sin and he says, that's why I came. That's why I am the gift to you. Will you receive my gift? Now, that's the great thing about who God is. He doesn't force gifts. Have you ever been in those environments? And if if that's what you've come from, even yesterday or today, I'm really sorry. But have you been in those environments where someone gives a gift And you feel so much pressure to love it. And you just don't. You you know, you do like I do. The first thing you do is you look at the size. That doesn't fit, but I got to be really excited about this gift, all right? So God is not that kind of a giver. He doesn't look at us and go, come on, I need your affirmation. No. He offers freely. Grace is a gift that is given to us without any merit on our behalf. None. His mercy overflows out of his heart to give. So he is offering even in this moment and online you might be watching and even in this place. If all of this, you were really with me until this moment. When I started talking about Jesus actually living in you, it wasn't about knowing a story. It is about knowing the person of Jesus. The greatest gift he wants you to know today is that he came for you. His death on the cross was enough, more than enough for your sin. He loves you. And his gift is to invite you into a relationship with him. And that leads us to the last gift, the seventh and final gift of this morning. And instead of going back to the box, because there's nothing left in the box, and the remaining bag that you have inside of your little box, you can go ahead and open that up. Instead, it is actually a gift that is on me at all times. It's something I treasure. It's something that I committed to and I meant it. It doesn't mean that I've been perfect inside of it, but I meant it. And that, that is my wedding ring. 
Because there was a moment with Amy Wells that Amy became Amy Dean that I was asked a really important question and that was, do you? And I said, yes, I do. But this is not what I'm taking with me to eternity. This is a shadow of something far greater, far greater. You see, Jesus didn't come just to save us. He came to enter into a relationship with us that goes beyond any other relationship that would ever happen on this earth. God calls us his sons and his daughters, yes? God calls us his church, his body. When he says he's his body, he tells us that Christ is what? What part of the body is Christ? The head and we are a part of his body. But there's something else that he calls us. And that is his bride. When I'm, I'm talking with um, marriages, there is something that God has taught me that I share with them. And that is this. If I want to be the husband that God intends me to be to Amy, I don't try to be the husband because I fail at that miserably. I learn to be his bride. And when I learn to be his bride, I then learn what it's like to be a husband because he is my perfect husband. And then I'm able to hopefully allow that to overflow into Amy and as brides that are in this place. It's not that you learn to be the bride to your earthly husband. It is that you learn to be the bride to your heavenly savior. And in that you're able to extend grace and mercy to your earthly husband. So for all of eternity, all of eternity, we are his bride. And right now, just like the prophet said, he's coming. And they cried out, oh, come, oh, come, Emmanuel. Just like they said that, we are waiting for his second coming, aren't we? And we will meet him not as strangers, but we will meet him as his bride, as his bride. Say this verse with me. And this is the promise he made to us, eternal life. Let's stand to our feet and worship our King, our Savior, our Lord.